This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Gohan from Dragon Ball Super, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Excuse me, Gohan, this is more of a narrator type thing. Uh, okay. Just do it more like a next time on Talk Time Live. Uh, next time on Talk Time Live. Don't quit your day job, Gohan. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, what I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk Time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. everybody and welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah hope everybody's having a great week i hope all you fully vaccinated people are enjoying breathing fresh air again <laughs> you know enjoying the breeze in your face i hope that you're enjoying that i hope that this new CDC guideline and everything that the president and CDC has announced, I hope it all goes well. I hope that we all can truly be safe out here. But if you haven't gotten vaccinated yet, go out of your way to get vaccinated. The more you do, the better this is going to be. And that means the better opportunities to attend great events and have fun again together. So let's do it, people. But I digress. We got a great show to talk about today. We have the series finale of Castlevania to talk about on our talk topic today. I know it's it's heartbreaking to hear that this is the series finale to such a phenomenal series. Um, whether this is one of the greatest of all time, we'll find out. We'll talk about that uh, much more on that segment as well. But we also got some great news to talk about and some great discussions to talk about. So let's not waste any time, folks. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now, it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. All 
All right, so we got to talk about our first look at Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe Revelation coming to Netflix very soon. No release date or anything has been announced yet, but looking at this, these pics, these images are, these stills are so awesome. This is the Masters of the Universe we've been waiting for. Like, honestly, I didn't realize that Kevin Smith, I know he's a comic book fan. He, I didn't know he was such a masters of the universe fan and it is obvious here because he is he is going all out to have top notch everything from animation from character design and from the cast as well i mean the images that you see on here are unreal it's, it's better than any masters of the universe series that has come out including the original i am looking forward to this because one i'm a kevin smith fan i've always been i i i've said this many times before i'm probably on the show over the years but clerks the original clerks it's one of the most inspirational films of my life because i was working in retail at the time you know looking at that movie when i saw it for the first time it really inspired me to say i could do more and i could do better and i i am <laughs> did as a result i took action left that job went corporate worked corporate for a few years said i was better than corporate came out and started doing this now so, um, I mean, honestly, I, you know, Kevin Smith is a really great writer. He's, he's awesome in so many ways. I mean, obviously just the things that he's done for over the years, he, he's not perfect all the time, but when he, when he really is into it, he really does a great job. I am so very well interested and invested into this situation that he is doing right now with, um, He-Man. So the official Facebook page gave us some first look images on what the show will look like and characters shown were He-Man, who is said to be played by Chris Wood from Supergirl fame. Uh, you got Sorceress played by Susan Eisenberg, who is the voice of Wonder Woman uh, on the Justice League uh, series and movies. You got Beastman, Kevin Michael Richardson. What? I mean, it's already getting high caliber talent, but then here you go. Who's the voice of Skeletor? He-Man's rival they went all out kevin went all out here and got mark hamill to play the voice of skeletor i cannot wait to hear that voice mark hamill is just absolutely i mean who'd have thought that in years from now because we all love him as luke skywalker and we thought that he was going to be known for luke skywalker because at the time Harrison Ford was the one that was getting all the fame and, and the claim and everything. And then Batman, the animated series came out and his portrayal of the Joker came out and he was set for life. And then he started doing all these different voice actors. Like it, it could be argued that he's the Harrison Ford of animated uh, series and everything. Mark Hamill is just absolutely phenomenal. He does not get enough credit for it. He is a godsend in the animated world and uh i can't wait to hear his voice the voice of skeletor is mark hamill people we also have tila played by sarah michelle geller yes buffy herself is in this as well we got um oh god this is this is the one right here um what did they call because i my type my uh worst merman actually yes merman we got mark hamill the voice of the joker now we have Merman, the voice of Batman himself. Kevin Conroy is now in this as well. Kev, for those who don't know, Kevin Conroy has been 
and quite a bit of Kevin Smith's um, movies and projects before. So I, this is not the first time they've ever worked together at all. He's been in some other really interesting projects. Some of them not so good, but he's uh, he's been a great friend of Kevin Smith's. Uh, Kevin Conroy is just awesome. And by the way, just to plug my website again, talktomlive.com, the new and improved talktomlive.com now has the video interview, the press interview that I attended with Kevin Conroy on there. So if you are a big fan of Batman and the what is arguably considered the best voice of Batman or one of the best Batmans of all time, Go on to talktomlive.com. You go into the exclusive videos page. It is right there. It's probably, I believe I made it the second video on air next to the Naruto cast on air. Go on air, check it out. It is an awesome video. It's an awesome uh, press interview that he's had on air. He's just the best. I'm looking forward to hearing his voice as Merman on here. Then you got, you know, iconic characters like Evil Lynn, who is, who will be played by Lena Headley from Game of Thrones. Awesome. Perfect. Orko. You always got to wonder who's going to play that role. Well, they got him. Griffin Newman, from who is actually author from The Tick. I've, as much as I didn't enjoy the entire series of The Tick, I did enjoy the performances of uh, Author. Author was pretty cool in there, so I think he'll be really good in there. Also appearing, but did, was not shown on air, but I looked on IMDb for this. I mean, just a heavyweight cast. Chris Summers is coming back. Chris Summers could have easily pay, uh, played Evil Lynn as well by the way harley quinn smith uh that is kevin smith's daughter she will be in here you know nepotism aside or whatever like that she actually is pretty good at what she does she's she's becoming a pretty good actress um as well so no no discredit for her on that one uh stefan root who is one of my favorite actors he played in office space everybody loves him on office space and news radio he's just awesome henry rollins i just talked about him a while back when we when i did select start uh, the video game podcast and we were talking about Def Jam fight for New York and Vendetta he's on there and I have like I haven't seen this dude since well now he's back <laughs> he's going to be in there too Jason Moose you can't have a Kevin Smith project without J- Jason Moose it's pretty much just inevitable at this point Justin Long and you, uh, you talk about having like people like Mark Hamill and Kevin Michael Richardson on these type of animated shows and then on top of it, you go with Kevin Conroy. Well, it just the cherry on the top of this is getting Phil Lamar to be a part of this show as well. So there you have it, folks. That is pretty. I actually, that is just to name a few. There's also other cast members that is going to be on the show. I've only named these, you know, uh, elite members. There are other great talent, uh, talented voices that are going to be lending they're uh, talent lending themselves over to this project as well i am so excited about this um, of course we don't got a date yet but i truly believe it's coming soon they've gotten this far it's coming very soon that trailer coming comes out best believe we're going to talk about it right here so i am i i just can't wait so let's switch on to some uh celebratory news here um this week we celebrated the 41st anniversary of one of the most iconic animes of all time 41st anniversary people this show was around before the term anime was ever created and adopted by us in the u.s 
This is the 31st anniversary of Battle of the Planets. Not just not just the 41st anniversary, but the 41st anniversary of the series finale. Because on what was it? Um, it was the 31st anniversary of the series finale of Gotcha Man. The show first aired actually on September 18th, 1978. The series finale ended May 12th, 1980. So technically speaking, it's the 43rd anniversary of the series, but it's the 41st anniversary of the series finale. So uh, that's incredible. The show ran for 85 action packed and intense episodes. The series became highly acclaimed for a sci-fi driven superhero narrative which provided storytelling rarely seen in the U.S. at the time. I remember I was, well, see, I was born in 1977. And when 80, 1980 came, you know, it was over. I was still a kid. I They kept replaying the episode. So I think when I was six or anything, probably that's when I started noticing it and started seeing it on TV along with other anime. Or they, they were called cartoons back in the 80s. There was no such word uh, called anime back then. Anime came out in the late, the term anime became a thing, it became trendy in the late 80s into the 90s and into now. So because it was it was a it was a flip off between anime and Japanimation. So, you know, for those who don't know, anime was never a term that existed prior to the 80s. Uh, it, it was a new trendy term that became and then it was adopted into the, um, into America. And now it's being overused because everything that looks really good, every animated series that looks really good is now people are loosely calling it anime and that's not the case. I will I will fight that to this day. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Um, this series was just absolutely awesome. I mean, it, you know, there was that. It was Speed Racer. It was Star Blazers. Um, Tetsuya Adam, a.k.a. Uh, Astro Boy as well that was all seen here uh astro boy is actually you know this is 40 this is like over 40 years of this series astro boy actually is probably even more than that because it's been known to be the first animated series to ever air in 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 this country i believe or just in period i it's it's known for being the first of something but it's it that was out in the 60s so just you know take a take a guess on how many years that one is but you know, while fans in America got to enjoy this uh, this show, they did not do so in its entirety as the show was heavily edited due to the original showing, which included some very violent moments that was considered taboo by the FCC. In today's standards, it's normal to see that. Like we see it now in, you know, in, in like animated series from the DC universe, uh, like all those DC animated movies. We see that now. We see that and so many other like we just saw it on invincible right now actually invincible the violence in invincible has superseded in in spawn as well though that is superseded like that's anime that's like old school anime level but in you know none of that would have played in the 80s or the 70s none of that like the fcc was extremely strict back then you know it, it was you know the moral and ethics the moral fiber of the fcc was highly you know highly highly strict and they didn't want to play that there they they, they they thought back then that it will affect our mindsets the same way with the comic code and then 
I think as information started getting out and we started learning more about other cultures and whatnot, especially during the tape trading era of uh, anim- of anime and stuff like that in Japan and, and to that extent, wrestling, Japanese wrestling and all that, we started learning more about other cultures. We learned that other cultures are watching content with a maturity level that is considered higher than us. And they were able to handle it. And we also learned that, you know, it didn't affect them in any way in, 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 in a sense of, you know, it would make them become more violent or they would, you know, go out and do things that they see on TV. It became kind of insulting to this country that we thought that way and they didn't and they were able to handle it. That just showed that, you know, to, to them, it just felt like we weren't mature enough to handle their content. And things started changing after a while. And of course, I would also give Fox some credit to that because Fox, when Fox, the network came out, they made a lot of changes, you know, getting in living color in, married with children and all the stuff like that. But we started seeing more mature content that we can handle. You know, we were able to handle that type of, and now we see, now we're at that level. It took us years to get to that level that Japan was already a long time ago, but the original Gotcha Man, Battle of the Planets, to those who don't know, <laughs> Gotcha Man, the original Gotcha Man series and movie included people dying violently, as well as one of the members of the Science Ninja team dying while in a solo mission to take out Galactor. Now, I, you know what's funny? That's so long ago, and I, if, I feel like I'm giving a spoiler uh, alert by doing this, but it's been over 40 years. Joe the Condor was the one that died. I remember when I first saw that and I got a tape of, was it a tape or a DVD? Or I, I think it was a, during a DVD era at this point. But I got the entire series of Gotcha Man, the the unedited, uncensored version. And then on top of that, I got the, the also I got the, um, the movie. And it's the movie where Joe the Condor dies, which is totally different from the actual TV series. He doesn't die in a TV series. He dies in the movie. And it was so dramatic and climatic and epic. And it was something I've never seen before in an animated series at that time. You know, Joe, the way he died, it was just crazy, which is why I highly recommend everybody to go out of your way to check it out. This is the popularity of the of this Tatsunoku series evolved into three episode OVAs that I really love. I love it. I believe uh, Masami Obari was the one behind the uh, OVA. I love it. And I love the theme, the music that they had for that as well. It's awesome um, theme music for that series. Beautiful uh, uh, art design and, and, and animation for that. Um, that came out, it came out in the 90s. And then soon after they had a movie as well that uh it was a, they came out with a movie adaption that came out in 2013 and of course if you are a capcom fan and then um and then you know owned a nintendo wii you had the opportunity to play tatsunoku versus capcom which included a lot of the science ninja team in there as well along with other tatsunoku you know uh players such as um what it was a tekaman and 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 kashin and a whole bunch of other ones, by the way, which also alludes to Infinity Force. If you guys remember, I actually reviewed that anime uh, re- like a few a while back, not too far to go, not too long ago, actually. I interviewed, I reviewed that and the actual movie 
that came out. And the movie is just as intense as the original Gotcha Man movie because it involves Joe the Condor and it involves, uh, you know, um, Dr. Sambu. It's, you know, if you heard that review and if you haven't seen that anime, go out of your way to check it out. But it's just really awesome that after all these years that like the series finale, May 12th, 1980. Wow. 85 action pack episodes, people. If you haven't watched Gotcha Man yet and you claim you to be an anime fan, you're not you're not there yet. I, I think anybody who claims that they are a total otaku can't say that unless they've at least watched some of the older episodes of these or the older series of these and look at what brought us to the table you can't say that you're an uber fan but can't respect the past i say this a lot for sports i say this a lot for um for uh anime and for wrestling like you cannot be considered a fan if you don't respect the past and what got us here and look at what was there before you just it, it, it's impossible to say that you're like an uber fan or otaku or for that matter go out of your way to check out battle of the planets or what it's originally called gotcha man uh in there it's just just such a great series i mean the the level of storytelling was way 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 in advance there so okay going to some fun moments and now going into some cringy moments for me as a spider-man fan my thoughts on the Venom Let There Be Carnage trailer. If you know what I thought about, if you were around, for all you seasoned listeners that were around the time when the first movie came out, I had the same type of expression. It is not changed looking at this new one. It is not changed at all. And in fact, I'm even more in distrust of what I'm saying right now. I, for those new listeners who are listening right now, I am not a fan of the Venom movies, as you can probably hear by the context of my voice. I am a big Spider-Man fan, especially during the 90s, because during the 90s, Venom was was uh, created. Todd McFarlane was drawing it and it became that became a phenomenon, not because of just who he is, but he became one of Spider-Man's greatest villains ever. And I don't know why, but later on, they decided to make Venom a hero of sorts. I mean, I, granted, I did like when Flash Thompson had the symbiote. I did like the um, that series. I did like it. But of all the role gallery, of villains that spider-man has had because he's been able to maneuver over and get over on a lot of he battled the sinister six one of the hardest group of villains when they combine together it is his biggest biggest challenge and the only way he could beat them is if he teams up with a bunch of other people himself maybe the fantastic four maybe you know deflock or ghost rider or whoever to come up and face it and face these guys but individually spider-man always wins then Venom comes along. Eddie Brock comes along, hates his guts because of uh, because he exposed. Well, Peter Parker exposed him uh, for an article, which at the time was the original fake news in this case. Um, and he basically exposed him for the fraud that he was in the scene. And Eddie began to hate Peter Parker so much. And the symbiote began to hate Peter Parker because the symbiote was once a part of was once bonded with 
with Peter Parker because of the Secret Wars battle that he found the symbiote in space and he brought it to America to the, uh, on Earth when he got back. And he found out that it became too intoxicating for him to keep and he had to fight him off, fight the symbiote off. He got rid of the symbiote. The symbiote was heartbroken. He found Eddie Brock, who was also had a hatred for Peter Parker. He joined up with Eddie Brock and they began to become Venom. And therefore, they became Spider-Man's, Peter Parker's deadliest villain. So scary that Peter Parker was even afraid. Peter Parker never always joked about his he always joked when he fought all villains in a sense of like just not being nervous about who he's facing he could not do that with eddie brock because he could not eddie brock's ability to uh cloak to 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 i guess um stealth himself from peter's spider sense was a big deal and i think that was the part of what made peter parker so confident about himself was that he had a spider sense he couldn't detect venom and that was scary and then on top of that venom looks damn near like a predator <laughs> that time there's a there's an issue that, um out there which which was drawn by eddie uh eric larson also one of my favorite artists ever and basically eric drew this really awesome issue where he knocked out peter took him into this deserted island where there's nobody there and played with him and peter had to survive trying to get through and not get killed by venom it was one of the most heart-wrenching issues ever that i've read on spider-man i i love that issue i love it because for the first time ever i seen peter parker so vulnerable even with his powers it just wasn't enough because venom had the same powers but he was also can cloak himself he can also you know he, he can go stealthily he can just he found ways to terrorize him and mary jane watson his wife at the time was terrified i mean terrified like she developed ptsd from this character <coughs> excuse me so lo and behold we get this movie that has nothing to do with spider-man and remember we know sam Raimi tried to do it with uh tupper grayson or uh and it didn't live up to it i think I love top i love topper right you know i love him from that 70s show i just think he was a bad poor choice for eddie brock for that and you know it wasn't a, it wasn't had anything to do with the idea of the um with the suit or this or the special effects the special effects was awesome except they didn't have the you know actual logo in the middle um but then of course everybody talks about the dancing part of peter and all this stuff and you know it 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 is it was what it was but it became overkill when they started adding the sandman as well because the sandman should have got his own shine in there as well but we never got the definitive in a movie and this to me is not it this is not it like and now i see this 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 show, this this episode I, I watched this and it's like they're turning it into a comedy and to me that it's just they got the right guy but the wrong premise to me it's like tom hardy is i i think is a good eddie brock i think he he plays that look he has the look he has the he, he can pull it off under a different director under a different writer 
He could be. He could have been the Eddie Brock that we saw with Sam Ramy. Like if if Tom Hardy was around back then, he would have been perfect for that movie. I think it just comes down to like the writing and what they're doing. Does this become a total comedy now? I mean, just by the. It, it, I, I just can't get down with this. And I know there are people who like this series, but I won't be. I can tell you this right now, just like before, I will not be going to the movies to watch this. I will hold and wait this out like I did before. And when I did, I I wasn't I wasn't a fan of it. I haven't watched the first movie since. Um, Man, it, it's just it's unfortunate. It is really unfortunate that this had which was what it was i mean because the special effects are great tom hardy is great um they have what they what it what they have what it takes but it's like now they're like buddy buddy together and he's kind of terror he's kind of making his life a living hell in a sense in here <sighs> excuse me um yeah it, it's i just i can't get down with this i mean granted they have probably one of the most endearing things about this sequel, and that's Woody Harrelson. And Woody Harrelson, you couldn't have found a better guy to play it. Now, for those who know, if I'm correct, if I remember correctly, Cletus Cassidy was kind of made in reference to Woody Harrelson when he did Natural Born Killers. So they kind of, I, I believe, if I'm correct, I could have sworn, I can swear, I got to go back and find out, but I believe the influence for for Cletus Cassidy in the first place was because of Woody Harrelson's performance in Natural Born Killers. So what better dude, almost in the same way that Nick Fury was based around Samuel L. Jackson and they got Samuel L. Jackson to do it. I think this is the same type of situation. I could be wrong, but Cletus Cassidy was always meant to be uh, portrayed by Woody Harrelson. And now they finally got him and, you know, perfect. I think he may be, he could be possibly the one great thing about this movie because it it's practically written for him. So I, I, at the end of the day, I'm holding off on this. I was not excited at all. My, I was not excited. Like, remember when we talked about uh, last week, we talked about the, all of the trailers and everything that was supposed as expected to be coming on phase four of Marvel studios and how excited and emotional I got for that. I got none of that in this. I absolutely got none of it. Now I, to their credit, the special effects are awesome. That's not the issue. Venom looks awesome. Carnage looks awesome. I'm going to just wait for this because I'm a Venom fan and I just don't feel like this is, the Venom. And of course, Spider-Man has nothing to do with any of this. And if he does, it's going to be very interesting because the, the, the chance to have that dynamic that they had is no longer there. So when the time comes for Peter to make his appearance in this universe, and unfortunately, as much as we don't like to hear that it's, it's supposed to have, it's, it's said to be happening. And it may happen in the course of the next few years. I'm not ready. I, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm going to bed. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. So um, it's coming. It's coming, people. I Did it have a release date or did I care that it had a release date? I just know. I believe it's coming this year. If, I mean, I, I, it, 
I'm not going to act like there's not fans of this series. Most of the fans of this series are mostly people who are not actual Venom fans and just see the Marvel logo and just all of a sudden just, you know, are, are, are excited for it in that aspect because there's another Marvel movie coming out. Most Spider-Man fans aren't really fans of this series, but the only reason why they, they you know, got it is because they made money off of the first one. It is what it is. It's we'll see. We'll see. I, uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing what other people are going to say about it, but I'm going to hold off. I'll probably watch this when it goes into um, into whatever streaming network is going to be on. I don't even know if the first one is in any streaming network right now. That's the funny thing. I don't recall seeing that on any of the first one. And I, I can't I did not enjoy that first one at all. I was totally upset at everything that they did for that because Venom is just one of the greatest characters ever. I think he deserves a lot better. Um, him, his his rivalry with with Spider Man, they dropped the ball on this. All be and, and it, all of this, if I'm correct, is all because they didn't have the opportunity to use Spider Man, and they just said, "Let's just move on without him, and let's create this new narrative and this new premise of it." And then they're also doing again. They're doing Silver Sable and Black Hat, uh, which also are pivotal characters to the Spider Man lore. And then they were supposed remember when they were supposed to be doing like a movie for every single villain leading to the Sinister Six and all that jazz? That hasn't happened yet. They need Spider they desperately need Spider-Man to do all this. But they're rushed, they're jumping the gun. And then on top of that, they're probably frustrated because they see Spider-Man on the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how well they're doing with that character, which is way better than what they've done with the character when they had him during the amazing Spider-Man years they gotta be frustrated they're trying to obviously they're trying to get into that spider-man bandwagon but you know true spider-man fans aren't really falling for it but the casual fans are and that's where the money's coming from so it is what it is but you know there you have it i'm not happy about it at all i am so not happy with that at all so last bit of news or discussion i should say it is both it is news and it is discussion I want to talk about it. It's regarding this Mickey Rourke situation that everybody has been teed off about. But uh, my thoughts about the Mickey Rourke comments uh, in regards to the acting in Marvel movies. Marvel fans on social media was on fire this week when articles came out about Mickey Rourke's remarks about the acting caliber of Marvel Studios movies. On his Instagram account, he posted pics of Law & Order SUV, which he was binge watching during the quarantine and said that he much uh, prefers the real acting on display in Law & Order SUV to that crap acting featured in Marvel movies. Now, I'm not a fan of the Law & Order anything. I've the original Law & Order. I never watched the spinoffs from it. SUV, I know Ice-T is in there. That's the only reason why I knew about that one. And I mean, it's been out for a long time, it, it, just as long as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So you, I, I can't take that away from it. It has a huge fan base. In fact, I know for a fact that Molly Flanagan is a fan of that. And I possibly believe she was in one of those episodes, um, of course. So I I don't know. I've, I've never I've never been a fan of, you know, cop dramas like to that extent. I'm, uh, that's not true because I was uh, New York Undercover was more my speed at the time and and 
21 Jump Street was more my speed at the time. That was like one of the only cop series that I've really watched at the time. But um, Law and Order has been out for quite a while. And, you know, it's a testament to their acting abilities and, and the stories that they tell on there. But I've never watched it. So I can't I can't speak on that. But I can speak on the fact that I have been emotionally invested into the Marvel Cinematic Universe for the course of 11 straight years. Um, that's including the TV shows and everything. And not everything was perfect, but for the most part, they knocked it out the park um, and, and made it to the finish line. You know, more than successfully, they superseded that. Uh, so here's the situation. You ever been around someone who just brings up their hate for something for or their hate and bitter hate or, or, you know, or at least bitter hate for someone, even when no one asked them about their opinion of it? You know, like, for instance, when you get into a relationship, you break up with that person, that person is in another relationship afterwards, probably even very quickly. And all of a sudden, your friend who was in that relationship all of a sudden brings it up out of the blue. The conversation never started. You never started a conversation like that. Um, kind of A-Rod is kind of doing that now in a sense, you know, with his situation with you know, Jennifer uh, and I was about to say Jennifer Anderson, um, Jennifer Lopez. And he posted that picture with his kids and the three empty, which I that was so bad. But it's kind of like that. You're kind of doing things and nobody asked you about it and it didn't come up and all the stuff. And it just it, it's really more telling it, it becomes more transparent that he's bittersweet about him not being involved with it rather than him really thinking that is actual based on bad acting that he had a bad experience this is not the first time he threw shade at marvel <laughs> okay he's been on this tirade ever since and he has been outspoken about them since his role as whiplash on iron man 2 which he kind of didn't say his acting was bad. He never said he didn't like being in a movie. He just said that, it, and it, well, according to the website Crave Online, Rourke talks about how they edited his performances in Iron Man 2. The actor said, I explained to John Favreau that I wanted to bring some other layers uh, and colors, not just make this Russian a complete murderous, uh, revenging bad guy. And they allowed me to do that. Unfortunately, the people at Marvel just wanted a one dimensional bad guy. So most of the performances ended up on a cutting floor. All right. It's arguable that that could have happened. But there's only so much time that you could do within an hour and a half. And, you know, they just didn't. They didn't have that time, unfortunately, or they didn't add on to that time. They, maybe that's not within their budget. Two, I felt like even though for that, for the time that they had in there, I felt that his character did come out that way that he explained, maybe not in in-depth detail, but you got the idea that he loved his father. He didn't love the fact that uh, he got his father got screwed over by Tony Stark, much like everybody gets screwed over by Tony Stark, as we learned throughout the years of Marvel <laughs> that a lot of these enemies aren't really original aren't like really bad guys. I mean, he did say Vulture on Spider-Man. The same thing happened here. He got screwed. <laughs> he got screwed by Tony. They were trying to do the right thing for them. 
he ended up being villains. Same thing that happened to um, Guy Pierce in, in, in Iron Man 3. Tony screwed him over. He was trying to do the right thing. He he became most of Tony Stark's villains are from good people <laughs> become bad. I mean, if you look back at all of them, almost everybody except for Ob um, Je uh, Jebediah, everybody except for him. He's the only one that was like legit bad guy to Tony Stark. It may be Thanos at this case, but other than that, every one of his actual enemies were people who were trying to do some good in this world. In his case, he saw his father get screwed over while Tony was getting rich. His his father was actually, you know, dying and he never got the credit that he deserved for it. Whip his character got pissed, you know, Mickey Works character got really pissed off for that. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. He just happened to be intelligent just as intelligent as father and Stark himself, he was able to do what Stark claimed that he wasn't able to do. He was not a murderous dude. You got that idea at the very first section of that, you know, of the movie. At the very beginning of the movie, you got the idea of what was going on. It wasn't like this dude was just a murderous Russian, uh, you know, guy just trying to get revenge. Now, you saw that, you know, he did have some he, he did have some heart for his father. You know, now granted, I would say if there was anything in that in, in those uh, deleted scenes that consisted of him having, you know, being nice to somebody in there, I could, I could, that I can see because they do have some people that uh, that is that has been seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. that weren't all completely bad. They were in the gray. But, you know, I, I felt like this dude has some dimension to it. It wasn't all like him being evil, wanted to take over, um, you know, Stark, you know, uh, industries or whatever like that, or just trying to kill Tony. He had a reason for wanting to kill Tony. That was to get revenge on his father because his father got screwed. I thought that was enough. I thought that was more than enough to get it. And, and let alone this character really wasn't meant to be a big deal, like in a sense, like he was he was meant to be like whiplash was never a big deal in the comics he was never that dude like that was warranted something big he wasn't a thanos he wasn't a you know he wasn't wilson fisk by any stretch he you know he just wasn't that dude and he damn sure wasn't the mandarin and the mandarin didn't get any play any play until like now <laughs> okay so honestly i he i think his bitterness feels like i think his anger is just really just bitterness of not being able to get more and a lot of this probably stems from i, I could be wrong but it, it just feels like it stems from him getting the rug being pulled from him in a sense or he feels like the rug is being pulled from from his popularity that was on the rise when he did the wrestler which i to this day no matter what i love the wrestler i love that movie i loved him in that movie that movie was awesome it was one of the most in-depth tellings of what goes on in the wrestling business let alone the indie wrestling biz i don't think there will be a better movie to explain that <laughs> at this time unless the guys from dark side of the ring tries to direct and do something of that nature i i 
man, that the wrestler, him and wrestler and everything that he did, I will always credit him and commend him for what he's did in that. I loved his role as Whiplash in here as well. I just know for as a Marvel fan, I wasn't expecting much from that character because that character is not a known big character. So I knew that that character from the door was just going to be a character that we're going to see in this. We're going to like to see him, but you can't do anything better with the character. Like he's not going to be this. He's not going to be the Red Skull. He's not going to be like he's we're not making we're not expecting him to be Red Skull. We're not expecting him to be, um, you know, who else? Uh, like I said, Thanos or, or Wilson Fisk or, you know, any of these huge top tier characters. He is in the same situation. As I would say. The Leaper, George St. Pierre. Now, granted, George St. Pierre didn't make a comeback as well as Baron Zemo to that extent. Baron Zemo, in terms of villains, is a higher villain than Whiplash. Whiplash is almost the equivalent of a street-level hero in this case. So, I, I honestly, and the other thing, too, is that from what I know and what all the actors that I've ever interviewed on this show, they've always said... And they've always came off like, look, they don't expect much from what they need to do. They do their job. They go in, they do their job, they leave. If they cut a few things, it's expected. You know, it's better than being cut at all. Sometimes they do cut them from the table and that's it. And it sucks. But you do the job. And if they cut a little, hell, I, I tell you, I can tell you this. Things get edited all the time. That's expected. I feel like he, he was on a high of him being nominated for an Oscar that year and, and the years prior. And he was getting this big comeback. And all of a sudden, there's a sense of entitlement towards it. It just feels like that. I could be wrong on that note, but that's the way it feels. That's the way it's coming off. And now since then, he's just been ever so bitter about it. It's been almost 11 years. It has been 11 years since that movie has air, have released. And he's still bitter about it. Like... I'm sorry, like, even if they did give him that, like, it wouldn't have changed the way that movie would have came out, you know? I thought that he he made he made his his and he made himself notice in that movie. I thought he was great in that movie. I don't think anything else of that movie <laughs> other than that. Like, I you know, sometimes you just can't. You gotta do what the director wants you to do. Look, some things get edited out. I've been in things, I've been in many projects that get edited out that things get edited it, i just look I, my mindset is like i do the job i go in whatever they do from there is, is it as long as they don't make me look bad that's all that matters if i don't come off looking bad or stupid or whatever i don't care <laughs> you know i get the credit to be in there and it looks good i think it looks good and i look good that's fine he looked good in in, in, in iron man too I thought he looked great in Iron Man 2. I thought he did great in Iron Man 2. Just leave it at that, man. It, he's been on a tirade for quite some time and didn't even during the pandemic and everything and with the election and everything, he's been even, even more uh, over the top. So, ah, man, just let it go. Just let it go, man. It's, it's just not worth it. I, I just hate when stuff like this happens. Like, nobody's talking about this but you. You're you're the only one with this issue. John Favreau doesn't have this issue. He's moved on plenty, as you see. And the more he keeps saying that there was crap, 
crap doesn't make a billion dollars and keeps making a billion dollars. It's not like Marvel's made a billion dollars off of a movie one time. They made a billion dollars multiple times on multiple movies. And it is because of the performances that were made prior to and including that ones that involve him. So just a, I would just feel, I just feel like he should be more appreciative of it. Yes, he didn't make it out. Yes, he didn't continue to work with Marvel and that new. I just think if you keep opening your mouth like that, you lose out on other opportunities. I just, you just really, really shouldn't do it. I remember um, Gwyneth Paltrow had issues with them as well, but they made up. <laughs> Dude, there's just always room for opportunity elsewhere. Just let it go. Folks, that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break, come back. And when we do, we're going to review Castlevania, the series finale. Just hurts to hear and say that every single time. Uh, We'll do that right after this. This is Amanda Celine Miller, the voice of Boruto and Sailor Jupiter. And you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Fight! All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and it is my review of Castlevania, the series finale on Netflix available now. Four great seasons of possibly one of the best animated features that is based on a video game. This series did not disappoint at all. Um, In fact, the series finale which I believe was only like 10 episodes uh, this time around, ended in it with a bang. I mean, like, seriously, they provided a little bit more this time around. You saw more action scenes. Uh, it was more action in this series than I believe any of the series prior to, where it was more drum, drama and, and character development in there. This was really, they, this was very uh, much a more action-packed season, and it needed to be because everything was coming down the line, and I didn't know where they were going to go. With this because if, if you guys recall last season it just went so many other different directions uh you had alucard who left the the trio and decided wanted to stay in the castle and be left alone even though he was far from left alone because all of these different people coming in and you know wanted to try to kill him or stuff like that and he was trying his best to be a good dude throughout this whole entire thing it still was and still is in this episode in this in this season you had Trevor and Sifa, who apparently went on their own adventures, but then started to bond with each other and fall in love with each other. And, you know, we'll talk about that. What's going on with those two now? We had Hector and Isaac, the necromancers, if you will, uh, that in the in any mon- I forgot what they call them. The, they can control monsters and, and create monsters or whatever. Um, but they kind of split into their own ways. Isaac became his own ruler of the undead, if you will. Uh, Hector started working with Camilla and Lenore and the other sisters and against his will, I should say as well, like him and Lenore, Lenore, who actually really is in love with him. She was take, she was controlling him, you know, with this little ring that she put on him. And even though that was the case, they still kind of bonded in this case and she started seeing things a little bit differently than camilla was camilla on the other hand wanted to be the next dracula she wanted to be the next ruler she wanted to cause a lot of havoc in hell and she was changing lenora was seeing it the other sisters were seeing it as well and you know she's gotten way 
worse in this case. Then you had Saint Germain, who appeared last season, and you know we thought he was going to be somewhat of a of a comedy character or a side character. Oh, we find out he's a lot more than that, and he's able to travel through time and go through these different dimensions and worlds, and it's including a world that sees both Dracula and his wife uh, still alive, and that was. You know, that was very interesting and telling. There was also supposed to be a sign of a crossover happening that and it that was been mentioned in 2018. It is 2021 and we still have not heard this yet. And we'll talk about that. Very interesting. So but overall, I really enjoyed what has happened here because I was trying to figure out how is this all going to close? Like you got all these side plots and, and B, uh, you know, and B plots and everything in here. And like, how is all this coming together? Who's the main focus of this whole entire thing? Well, we damn sure know it wasn't Camilla and it was made to seem like Camilla was going to be the main big villain here. Yeah, not so much. And by the way, if you haven't watched this series yet and you don't want to be spoiled, please do not listen to this until after you watch the series because I'm spoiling things right now. So in reference to Camilla, Turn it off right now <laughs> if you have listened to it. If you, you know, Camilla was supposed to be like the big deal and the sisters were supposed to be a big deal and turn and, and come to find out they were not exactly. And they were taken out two, three episodes prior to the end here because Hector and Isaac and St. Germain were all in on a sit on a little plan that involved them getting Dracula back and back to life by um, putting him and his wife into one, making him a, a, a hermaphrodite like being of a man and a woman that will be able to rule the the dark realm, if you will, if that's the proper way of calling that, <laughs> you know, be able to rule the dark because everything else was going crazy. The monsters, if you guys recall, since Dracula is not around, the monsters have been doing their own thing and they've just been killing everybody and it's just been going crazy. Uh, Isaac decided to go on his own and try to, you know, do what was best and try to, you know, bring back Dracula in his own way. Hector uh, was all along was even though he, he separated from him, was actually still connecting with Isaac and such. So they were planning this whole thing. And St. Germain was also one of the ones, too. He you know, we finally get to see more St. Germain's backstory because you didn't see that last season. You got to see it now. We got to know what his true intentions was, which is really not good. <laughs> and that lasted only but so much after a while because uh he was we we come to find out that all of this was being tailored by a by, by what they believe is the grim reaper or death himself and he's just called death but in fact he's a different type of vampire with different type of role sets and he was the main guy that was behind all this and you know trying to get dracula back because he couldn't do it himself he needed dracula in order to make things the way he felt it needed to be. And all this was a plot to get to that. So somehow, some way, this all led to Trevor, Alucard, and uh, Sifa coming back together against against this deaf character. And it led to some really, really fantastic moments. Uh, it was really awesome. I, I, I got to say, I like, there were some really great dynamics here. I love Lenore and Hector. 
I love their relationship. I, even though he was kind of going against his will and he was just rolling with it, even though he knew he was going against his will and was rolling with it. There was a, a, a love developing between these two that I adored in here. And I love the, I love the uh, performance of Lenore in here, who was, uh, I got to give credit to this Jessica Brown Finley loved, loved, loved what she did in here. She was absolutely awesome. Um, I've never seen her uh, in other films before, but what she did with this character, she made me almost fall in love with this character. I loved her and I loved Hector and I, Hector's performance as well was just absolutely awesome here. Um, played by Theo James. And I, I just, it was a really great dynamic between those two. Almost really to the point that I really wanted to see those two together. And when they actually at the end of the last episode, which I really loved because it was just basically they everything was done in the ninth episode, but the tenth episode was supposed to be like the aftermath of everything that has occurred. And one of the things that happened was Hector and Lenore being together because all of the sisters were well, two of the sisters were still alive. They uh, killed off Camilla. Lenore, uh, Isaac, uh, Hector told Isaac not to harm Lenore. So these two are still together after all that has happened. And somehow, some way, for some reason, Lenore felt that she didn't want to live without her sisters or whatever like that and decided to kill herself by going into the sun. Hector really didn't want her to do this. She said, this is my request. And I'm like, I've, they were clicking. I'm like, I don't understand why they had, this had to happen. I was kind of, I was really upset by this, but it is what it is. This is the dramatic mindset and ideology of that era, that time of people in that, in that genre and that, in that uh, generation. I, I just felt that they were such a great couple. I felt like he could have, I mean, like you got a la carte. He, that, well, a la carte's half human, half vampire anyway. So he, he can stand being in the sun and all this stuff. He's what you call a vampire. That's what uh, Vampire Hunter D would consider himself. <laughs> well, another great anime people should also check out too. Vampire Hunter D is legit. But um, then you got a la carte, who's now with this new woman who was trying to keep her her villagers alive from the monsters that have been a big threat and he's starting to click with her in a way and i'm wondering like okay this happened before where you had characters who were trying to befriend alucard before and then they end up turning evil and then he wind up killing him and putting them outside no this one was also awesome and by the way thank thank them thank the uh the people behind um this show for actually having some diversity in here um you know the fact that the character was black and it was you know mixing it up with uh with alucard i thought it was really awesome i think it really fit well i like their two dynamics as well uh yeah credit to warren ellis and, and the writers of all this they, they just did a great job with this um this was not a kid's show by any stretch there was a lot of f-bombing in here and a lot of violence in here uh you know battle on the planets level and higher <laughs> damn near no it was damn near fist of the north star in this case so but you know it was a it's a very mature series 
uh, I would level it up to any series that you've probably seen, maybe like Game of Thrones or something like that. Sans the the lack of sex scenes or whatever like that, but the drama, the tension, the the um, the epic, you know, battles and such like that. It's all there. It is all there. Um, I like the fact that Trevor found a new weapon in here because you know, for those who played the game before any Castlevania games and you see that he carries, he finds a new weapon or anything. It, it, you know, you, you get that nostalgic moment of like, oh, now he's going to go at it. And I love, I absolutely love this weapon that he had because it was kind of a crawl. If anybody remembers that movie type of weapon, it was like a boomerang type of weapon basically. And he was able to, you know, use it very, very professionally, very skillfully. I should, I should say. And it was just awesome. It was just really, really awesome how they, how this all went out. And his battle with death was really cool as well because, you know, it, it was made to seem like he this was his last deal. And they revealed that uh, Sifa was pregnant with his child because he said, don't name him anything stupid before he, he goes off into battle death. He ends up beating death. And then we get to episode 10 and she's just she's she's so depressed she doesn't know what she wants to do and it, it was just really sad and I, it was a really heartfelt moment and alucard and, and and wanted her to stay and you know where else are you going to go stay here you're going to pretty much you know we'll, we'll be your family and we'll even name the place after trevor and call it belmont and she really that lit her up that lit her up to the point that like okay Let's do this. Cause where shall she where else she gonna go now that she's burying a child? You know, she said she claimed that she had places that she could go, but they didn't want her to go. And she decided not to go after they, you know, were comforting her as best they, as possible. Alucard has been really, really one of my favorite characters in this series. Um he's played by James Callis. Uh he's one of the most cavalier dudes in this series. I loved his portrayal, loved his performance. Um Whenever they have scenes with Alucard in there and stories involving Alucard, I was so into it. I I was always intrigued by the character since he appeared, I believe, in Castlevania 3. And I was like the son of Dracula and his name is Alucard and it's just Dracula backwards. That's kind of cool. <laughs> and they made him such a cool character from this point. He really kind of is kind of well he's not vampire hunter d i was going to compare him to d or from vampire hunter d but d is just so introverted compared to them at least he's kind of approachable like alucard is kind of to me an omnivert as opposed to an extrovert or a introvert he could do with or without you at this case and it really shows and i love it like you you do good with him he does good with you you try to screw him boy you're gonna regret it Okay, so it's, it's just I love what they did with him and I just love his storyline all the way through through this entire series. But we see at the end a horse comes, a horse that Alucard recognizes and has been involved with and in a previous episode this season that uh, brought a message to him by a dead, unfortunately a dead carcass, which led him to meeting the woman. I, he, I keep forgetting the woman's name that he met. Um, but I didn't write that down, unfortunately, but it led him meeting the woman and the villagers that he's going to be saving. And now, you know, he's creating a new village within his castle. In this case, the Belmont, you know, uh, residence, if you will, the same horse brought on another 
you know, body. But this time, it was Trevor. And l- let me tell you this. When that scene happened, and I kind of thought, I'm like, is it really Trevor? Is he still alive? Because I felt that they really made it you feel like that he sacrificed himself. And now he's just not going to be around. And they're going to just move on. And another Belmont is going to be born in that type of situation. What a surprise. Because that's what kind of normally happens in these type of, um, you know, TV shows and series, whatever. Lo and behold, this horse come with a body that looks very similar to that dead body that brought the message. Comes down opens up the uh the cover and lo and behold it is in fact trevor and sifa's look on her face and her reaction you really they did a great job getting you emotionally invested in that one little scene and i loved it and the way that she the way that she reacted to it like even afterwards when she walked away and she started crying because it just it's a lot to take in that this man is still alive and after she was been so depressed day after day in and day out of the idea that she's going to have to bear this child without him. I thought that was brilliantly done. I thought that was beautifully done. And kudos to the, kudos to them. Kudos to everybody involved. So, I mean, that's how this is going to end. It ends on a great note. There was no tragedy to this, which I really thought it was going to happen. Uh, the three main characters stayed alive. St. Germain is gone, unfortunately. Um, Hector and Isaac, who also decided that they weren't going to revive Dracula, um, decided to just live happy. Isaac said that he, as creepy as that sounded when he said it, and I thought it was going to lead to him doing something crazier. Um, he said he was going to just live life and be happy. Uh, Hector was going to live with Lenore, but that didn't happen. So now he, I don't know what the hell he's going to do. <laughs> um, but just to see the three main characters, and, you know, stay alive at this whole thing. And there was no real big tragedy. I mean, there's tragedy along the way, but at the end, we got a we left on a good note. And that's something we don't get to see too often in these type of shows is that we see a good payoff. So now I can watch this from start to finish. Very happy knowing that it's all going to work out at the end. So I, I, I really appreciate it. And it's funny because when I first watched this series, I really wanted this series to be based on Simon Belmont and not Trevor Belmont. But as it went along, I grew on the idea of Trevor because Trevor is such a great character in the series and they did such a great job. Um, Richard Armitage did a great job as Trevor Belmont. I thought he was awesome in this show. Um, you know what? I you know, it just almost made me want to watch the Hobbit series, but <laughs> I'm not going to watch the Hobbit series. But nonetheless, he was great as Trevor Belmont and um Kudos to him. Kudos to everybody that was involved in the four four season series that stemmed all the way back from 2017 to 2021. My only question now involves this crazy idea and this crazy rumor and talk that this series, for some odd reason, was going to do a crossover with Devil May Cry. For what reason, I don't know. I mean, the idea of it is cool. Why do we need it? I don't know, because that's Konami and that's Capcom. I mean, we've seen crossovers before, but did we ask for it? It's one of those kind of things, like, did we really ask for it? And how, you know, I mean, they they left definitely because of the, the, the idea of the dimensions and portals and everything. They left room for that to happen. And of course, I forgot to mention too that Dracula 
and his wife is still alive. I, I, actually, I think I did mention that before. But at the end, we saw that they're also still alive, but they didn't want their hide Aaron hiding. You know, they decided to keep, you know, and it, you know what I loved about that scene is because that scene, it, it started with it started with him and us understanding why he became what he became. And it ended with them, too being what they wanted to be and that's just two people in love not being bothered by the world not being judged not being you know uh tortured or hated that's what it started with those two and it ended with those two i absolutely loved it they don't explain well they kind of just said that you know we don't know how we're still alive but we end up coming back to life you're expect life so what we're going to do is just travel we're going to it, that's all they ever wanted to do was live with each other but society decided that they didn't want it that way and decided society decided that they wanted to intervene with their lives because for whatever reason it affected them and it didn't kind of what's going on today you know with the with the lgbtq community with black people with you know with this level of hate that we're going to now so this is another reason why i love this series because it does factor in on a real world type of situation it makes you look at it from a different perspective and under a different narrative you know in the same way that the x-men made us look at the civil rights movement in a certain way this kind of does too it is it people rather don't realize it or think about it but it it this does have that type of vibe to it as well so but this whole thing where it comes to the executive producer or former executive producer uh, Addy sankar talking about the situation of a d of a devil may cry crossover which he mentioned on ign in i believe 2018 and let me tell you this this dude i give him credit he is a very creative dude he did a lot of great um fan you know fan favorites or fanfare videos and such um he's done like the bootleg series and everything he was he he did like a pretty awesome job with all that but then he just has his own gimmick and the gimmick that he has is kind of lame in a sense i feel like he's trying to be a pro wrestler (laughs) in a sense it is like because he he wears face paint and he goes around to these doing these interviews and he has this type of personality it's just kind of weird um, and granted, I do love, I loved what he did with, I love, he was a part of, uh, some of my favorite movies. The gray was actually pretty good. Dread was pretty damn good. Um, he also, like I said, he did some, I think he did the power Rangers bootleg. He did a venom boot, uh, bootleg version of it as well. I, I think that was him, but I definitely remember the power Rangers one that he did. Uh, he did a, uh, short of, um, he, he was the executive producer for the uh and the pokemon as well he did some really cool stuff but dude don't make yourself into a gimmick and what he did um if you go back you can find this you could email you could google addy sankar or you know ign or devil may cry crossover with castlevania ign or something like that. he did an interview with the and, and with the interviewer there i forgot i forgot her name and he came off a little bit weird and he was like talking about the mention of devil may cry and then he what he does is that he runs off and we didn't hear anything of it he did this for like pure shock value and it was kind of that was my first impression of addy sankar and i just 
to me, I felt it was lame. He wore this like kind of like kiss like face paint with the star in the eye and all this stuff. And I'm like, what it do? Why do you have to be a gimmick? Why do you have to be so over the top? Why do you have to put yourself over instead of just putting your projects over? Like, you don't have to be, you don't have to do this. I felt like this was a total millennial type of thing to do at the time. And yeah, look, say what you will. That was a very millennial thing to do. And he, it, it, it would have possibly, I think it would have worked better if he just said they were doing a project for dams for devil may cry with castlevania which by the way it is 2021 we have heard nothing from this the series is officially ended there was no mention of a devil may cry now we did see the sword last season we did see the sword of sparta in there so i don't know if that i don't know what's going on with this is it happening is it not i don't know is Addy Sankar just, he just went, you know, took liberties with himself. I don't know. I just don't know. I just know that the series is now ended. It is 2021. What the hell are they going to do? I mean, they could actually still do the crossover and still add the, you know, Trevor and Alucard and Sifa into it. But it looks like they just are closing the book on this. I don't know. And then they're also moving on um, the studio that is... Work, that worked on this is also working on masters of the universe as well so i don't know people i we will see but eh, i just felt like it was if it's not going to happen don't mention it don't make don't put yourself over and even furthermore on imdb there is no mention of addy sankar i don't think i don't know if this has been updated it's been updated to an extent like they show they do have the uh, the fourth season episodes on here but when you look up Addy Sankar's name it just doesn't it only says 22 episodes from 2017 to 2020 there's nobody nobody with that said nobody's been updated to 2021 not even Warren Ellis who is the um, writer creator and developer of this series uh, maybe they just are holding out so we'll see at the end what's going to happen because a lot of times IMDb, you know, the people behind their accounts on IMDb don't like to update things because they don't like to they at least wait till the series has already been seen before they update it because sometimes it involves some secrets and some spoilers. If they say if they show a certain actor or a certain thing that lets that it brings everything else so sometimes they hold off on it so i will give that a benefit of a doubt but you know if it's coming i'll be on more than happy for it uh if not if it doesn't come it's not going to be a deal breaker for me because what warren ellis did and sam Dietz did and adam Dietz and spencer warren you know you know they were the directors and warren ellis was the creator they created a masterpiece and where does it lie among probably one of the greatest animated features based on a video game? It's hard pressed to say that this isn't probably on the number one. And I can't think of any other animated series based on a video game. That's not an anime that is, and this rivals any anime that we've seen. And by the way, I hate to tell people this, this is not an anime. This is a animated feature that is anime inspired. <laughs> and I can't stress this enough again. Like you got it. Like you can't make every single thing that looks better than the normal animated series an anime. It is not. It is. In fact, if I'm correct, this has been created 
by the people behind Hades. The, uh, if, you know, the game Hades, the uh, actual, the, the trailer, uh, the same guy is the guy behind that, if I'm correct, which he's not from Japan. I'm sorry to tell you, like uh, a lot of these, the, the, the animation department, Cindy Kroll, Ty Davis, Adam Dietz, Sam Dietz, um, Jim Harrison, her, none of these are from Japan people. I'm sorry. This is not an anime. This is an anime inspired at best. Um, but make no mistake, you know, they had a bunch of people from different areas doing this. And this is a collaboration of just a great animated series created out there. Uh, I doubt a video was even created in Japan especially with all the names of the people involved in I see right now. Um, so this is just a, this is going to be just considered an animated series, but a phenomenal animated series at best. And kudos to everybody for the last four seasons of putting this together. Uh, when I first heard that they were doing this, I was extremely excited. When I saw what it looked like, I was even more excited. And at the end of this, I am absolutely satisfied if i were to give this grade anything i would be remiss not to give this an a plus this entire not just this season but this entire series this is a must see for game for old school gamers for new school gamers for game enthusiasts for game historians this is awesome they i've never seen a game series or a, a series based on a game Get so much attention to detail and so much great character development and so much great portrayals and, and storytelling. Castlevania is one of the best out there. I dare I'd say it may be one of the greatest out there. So if you haven't, if you wanted to know what Castlevania is all about and what the lore is about, this is one of Konami's greatest, the, the game company, Konami, it's one of the greatest franchises they ever had. I mean, that you can attest to that. You know they got metal gear solid they got contra contra is falling through the the um the ways now metal gear we don't know what the hell's happened here not only that here's the other thing too i want to see castlevania i want to see a new castlevania game not only based on these guys but i want to see a castlevania game created by platinum games i want to act a really good action-packed castlevania game that looks and plays kind of like devil may cry because platinum games some people behind uh, platinum was also behind that and bayonetta but give us that same action pack scenes that we've seen on this season I've, I've, i really want to see a new castlevania game and i think no better than platinum games and speaking of that <laughs> and coming soon one of my first blog entries will be based on the best at the best of platinum games um if you haven't played those games you play astral change you played um transformers devastation any of those um what else well metal gear revengeance all those those guys have been behind that i'm gonna be doing that it's gonna be my first blog entry so stay tuned for that and not only that let's end it on here folks that will do it for this edition of talk time live i hope you guys really enjoyed it um man it's getting out to the wire we're gonna be doing a lot coming soon so i believe i will be doing another select start episode this week i probably will be following up with another episode of uh talk time live but i will have my interview with amanda c miller at the end of this month so stay tuned for that as we talk about the new sailor moon uh, movie coming out we'll be talking about what she's been up to uh 
Kid Cosmic on Netflix and all everything that's just been going on in her world from there. So stay tuned for that. Uh, the voice of Sailor Jupiter, the voice of Barato, I should say that as well. So she will be back for her third appearance here on Talk Time Live. And this time it will be in video form. So hopefully that will go off without a hitch. <laughs> we will definitely uh, have everything up and uh, running from that point. And then, of course, I will be rejoining the metaverse, as I mentioned. Uh, there, we're going to be uh, celebrating Sailor Moon. We're going to be celebrating that time I got reincarnated into a slime and Bleach, as well as Dr. Stone. So stay tuned for more information on that as well. But for now, you want to check out episodes like this and all other interviews and in shows and reviews and such like that. Go to TalkTimeLive.com, the new and improved TalkTimeLive.com, where you can now see the best looking site you could ever see for this show. Uh, very easy to access podcast episodes. Uh, all new episodes always update, upload immediately after this. And uh, you can also find, easily find any episode that we have up here, whether it's the Select Start video game podcast, the Talk Time Live exclusives. You can find them all on the search engine on the podcast page. You just go into the search engine, you type in select start, select start episode, or you could probably just type select and the select start episodes come up. That's how really good that search engine is. You can also type in TTL exclusive and all of the talk time live exclusive interviews will come up. You could also check out the video interviews on its own page on the and check out the Kevin Conroy interview um, press interview that I talked about as well as the Naruto interviews and every other thing as well as that. Great content coming soon and more to come for that as well. If you want to subscribe and download the series and never miss a beat, you can always go to Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, Pandora, and Pocket Cast. And I should also say Tumblr. <laughs> I do post on Tumblr. Tumblr was actually the, the main page is where I used to have my website and that was what we normally go in. I still post there because a lot of the listeners are from that page. So I will still be posting from Tumblr, but you can also access everything easily on talktimelive.com, if not better on talktimelive.com. So definitely go out of your way to check all that out. But there's always love everywhere and anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Talk Time Live is there. So, folks, that will do it for me. On behalf of myself, this is Dax Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care and have a very, very good week. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.